Welcome to the God is Able radio broadcast, the ministry of Old Savannah Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Austin Frady. Now join us as we open in prayer and in God's word with a message titled, There is Hope. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thankful to be able to come by way of radio to each one that's listening. God, we pray for those that are here this morning, God, that are unable to come to church. God, we pray you touch them and help them. God, those that may be in the nursing homes and hospitals, God, touch them and help them. Lord, we pray if there's one here on the radio listening today, God, that's unsaved, I pray, Lord, that you touch their heart. God, draw them unto yourself. Lord, we ask, bless the message. God, bless the hearers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Life is... i 
Thessalonians chapter number 4 this morning, verse number 13. Very common verse in the Word of God that we want to look at this morning, but I want to look at it just a little, in a little bit different light this morning than we might would normally preach on this verse. Thankful for the Word of God this morning, thankful for the truths and the precepts, the promises that we find within God's Word. What a blessing it is to be able to look into God's Word and to be able to find help in the days and the hours of our life. We are different people this morning than the world is. The Bible makes a plain and distinct separation between God's people and between the people of the world. And one of the things that makes us distinct between the folks of this world and between God's people, which would be us that are saved by the grace of God, is made known here in verse number 13. First Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse number 13. The Bible says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now I'm going to stop right there this morning. We won't just take that one verse, preach off it just for a few minutes. I want to preach to you this morning off a very common thought. As we look in the Word of God, we find one of the distinct things that separates us between the world and between God's people is the hope that we have. In this very familiar verse of Scripture, Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And as we look into that verse of Scripture, as I mentioned to you, two different classes of people, folks that have no hope and folks that have hope, uh, folks of the world and folks that are saved. Uh, We see in this little verse of Scripture, we see those two classes of people that are outlined. And many times we use this verse of Scripture, uh, maybe at a funeral or speaking of a death, for the Bible says they're concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not. And Paul is giving, uh, uh, some folks there that maybe had lost a loved one uh, and he's given them some hope uh, my friend uh, that they're not just uh, ceasing to exist but that those that have died in the Lord have been with the Lord to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and he tells them not to sorrow uh, and as we look around us this afternoon as we look around in this world no doubt we could very easily and I see it on people's faces all the time and no doubt at times in my life you see it on me we become very sorrowful uh, because of the things that are going on around us, maybe the individual things that are going on in their lives, maybe the things that are going on in their church, or maybe just the things that are going on in their country, we become sorrowful, and we become sorry for ourselves, we become sorry for what's going on, but Paul is telling these folks here, he said there's no need that you have sorrow friend, he tells them there that you have sorrow, not and he tells them even as others which have no hope, friend the folks that ought to be sorry this afternoon are the folks that are not saved by the grace of God but those of us that are saved by the grace of God we have absolutely no reason in this day and this hour to be sorrowful friend I understand that our lives are not perfect I don't know about yours but mine sure ain't but I'm glad this morning friend even in the midst of my imperfect life I've got a perfect God my friend that gives me hope of a better tomorrow of a better place that's waiting I'm glad that when we look at the bad things that are going on around us we don't have to be sorrowful Uh, my friend but we can have hope friend uh, of something that is better awaiting for us Uh, as we look at this thought and no doubt a very familiar and very common thought uh, that there is hope Uh, uh, we find that as we pick up where we left off last Sunday morning uh, as we was preaching on Adam and Eve over in the garden of Eden uh, and how they sinned and how they fell short of the glory of God there in that garden Uh, and you find over there uh, uh, that God gave them a promise Uh, it seemed as though they eat of that fruit Uh, as we preached last Sunday it seemed uh, that there was no hope left for them. It seemed that when Eve took of that fruit that that would have been the end of her life. That God would have destroyed her right then and right there. And God could have very 
may well have been justified in taking both of them together. My friend, and sending them to the depths of a devil's hell for all of eternity. My friend, it seemed in that day that Eve ate that fruit. And in the day that Adam ate of that fruit, it seemed that all hope in their life was gone. It seemed that though there was no way, my friend, that they would ever be able to escape, friend, the judgment of an almighty God. But God gave them a promise in Genesis 3 and 15 that I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. All of a sudden in the midst of a dark and a gloomy situation God steps on the scene and God gives them hope in the darkest and the dimmest hours of their life. In Genesis chapter number 4 the Bible says and Adam knew Eve and his wife and conceived and bare Cain and she said I have gotten a man from the Lord. The first step in the fulfillment of the promise that God gave in verse number 15 as we preach that last Sunday our friend Eve was excited why was she excited because God had stepped on the scene of her life in the darkest hours friend and God had give her hope when it seemed as though there was absolutely no hope you go on through your Bible and you find in the very days of Noah you will find friend that the Bible says of the very imagination of man's heart was evil continually and God repented himself that he'd even made man God looked down on a creation that he had made perfect in his own image and God seen sin was abounding more and more and more God looked in that day of Noah and you find the sin that they were going through is very similar to the very day and the hour that we live and Jesus even like in the last days under the days of Noah and under the days of Lot a friend in Noah's day there was demonic activity going on there was sexual activity there was out of the will of God going on every single thing that those folks was doing was out of the will of God but the Bible says there's a man over there named Noah that found grace in the eyes of the Lord our friend Noah found grace before the Bible says he was just and before he was perfect in his generation honey you've got to find grace before you can be justified before God that word perfect in his generation it means Noah was complete in God friend before you can ever be complete in God and complete in your life friend you've got to accept the grace of God I'm glad friend in the Old Testament grace was real then I'm glad grace is real this afternoon I'm glad grace is still very much alive and well and I'm glad that we've got a God of grace if it wasn't for grace honey you're looking at a preacher that'd be in the depths of hell but I thank God that one Sunday morning Austin Freddy found grace in the eyes of the Lord proven by the Lord Jesus Christ friend in the darkest hour of humanity when God looked down in every imagination of man's heart and their thoughts were on evil continually friend God stepped in the midst with a little bit of hope God stepped in the midst and God told Noah to build an ark and Noah began to build that ark honey that ark was a symbol and a testimony of hope that was to come yes judgment was coming yes they would utterly perish but on a hillside up there there was a man building an ark there was a man preaching a message there was a man saying rains are coming and you better get in honey there was hope for those folks my friend but the majority of those folks they played it all off they were sorry in their sins and honey when the door of that ark was shut they wished they would have got in God sent hope in that day in the form of an ark a type of the Lord Jesus Christ 
It was three stories. It was made out of gopher wood, uh, a very distinct wood, uh, a wood, my friend, that was like nothing else. Uh, it was a wood that had been tried and true. Uh, it was a wood that was proven, uh, and it was built out of that wood, uh, and they put pitch on the outside, uh, symbolizing the Holy Ghost, uh, sealing up our lives, uh, taking the work that Jesus has done, uh, and putting a seal upon it. Uh, and my friend, that the waters of judgment uh, cannot penetrate into where we are. Uh, I'm thankful this afternoon when I got saved by the grace of God, have the Holy Ghost put a seal on my heart. I'm glad when the waters around me roll. I'm glad there's somebody. My friend has sealed every crack and crevice in my life. And that's He, the Holy Ghost. And I'm thankful that there is hope in our life. There was hope in Noah's day. On down through the ages of time, God sent a man named Abraham. Abraham was a man... Out of the land of Europe, the Chaldees, he was called out of that place. Uh, my friends, you very well know. Uh, and Abraham, God gave him a promise uh, that God would take his seed and God would multiply that seed uh, and that he would become the father of many nations uh, and that he would bless those that bless him uh, and he would curse those that curse him. Uh, that's a promise in your Bible that still stands sure today. Uh, that's a promise that still stands sure for the nation of Israel. Uh, that's a promise, honey, you can take to the bank. Uh, just a few short days ago, uh, uh, my friend, that group of ISIS, was fixing to come in on the Israelites. But God sent a storm across the border. It didn't go over into Israel, but it stood right there on the border. And honey, it protected that nation. Why? Because God's promises that He promised many years ago still stand sure today. There is still hope because our God's still alive. In Abraham's day, God gave him a promise that He would multiply his seed. And the years of his life began to wax old. Our friend and Sarah, she began to wax old. Uh, my friend, so Abraham took matters into his own hands uh, and he took Hagar. Uh, my friend, he had a child there. Uh, my friend, Ishmael. Uh, my friend, Abraham took things into his own hands. Uh, can I say to you this morning, uh, I'm going to run a rabbit right here, uh, but it'd be good for you to wait on God. Uh, it'd be good for you to wait on God to open the doors of your life. Uh, it'd be good for you to wait till God tells you what to do. Uh, it'd be good, my friend, uh, for us not to jump out ahead of God. Uh, and let's just let God lead us. Uh, every now and then we got to get in while the water's trouble. But then there is yet again a time and a place when we have to step back when God ain't moving and say, Lord, we're going to wait on you. We're not going to move till you say move. Honey, you can get yourself in a mess. My friend, if you get too far ahead of God, that's what Abraham done when he took Hagar and he had Ishmael. He had a child out of the power of his own flesh. I want to say this morning that you can't do anything out of the power of your flesh. It takes the Holy Ghost of God to do anything for the cause of Christ. It takes the anointing of the power of God. It takes the Spirit of God. Friend, we can't save a sinner. It takes us having God in our life. My friend, there ain't a Sunday school teacher, there ain't a preacher alive that can convince somebody they need to be saved. It takes the Word of God. My friend, brought forth under the anointing of the Spirit of God for a lost sinner to realize that they need God. Friend, it's a work that you and I in the power of our flesh have absolutely no ability to do. But I'm glad that God, that through the Holy Spirit endues us with power to do that which we cannot do. Don't try to do it in the power of your flesh. Don't try to shout in the power of your flesh. Don't try to do anything for God in the power of your flesh. Wait on God. If we had to come Sunday after Sunday and we didn't see anything happen, I'd rather it be that way than to get ahead of God. Amen? I'd rather be a real people that's awaiting on God than I had to be fake 
and do something in the power of our flesh and get ahead of God and cause us a bunch of trouble. It caused Abraham trouble in his life. And Ishmael began to grow. And no doubt Abraham, he still loved that child. My friend, but the that wasn't the promised seed. My friend, and when it seemed as though all hope was gone for God to send that promise, all of a sudden Sarah comes back. My friend, she's going to have a child. My friend, that child is born. Isaac, friend. Isaac was a symbol of hope. It was a symbol that God had meant what he said over there in Genesis chapter number 12. When he made Abraham a promise, when he put a seal on that covenant, it was a symbol that God was answering a promise. My friend, that was the promised seed and the promised child that God would send in the darkest hour of Abraham and Sarah's life. There was hope through a child. On over there in Genesis chapter number 20 or 21, I believe it is. Uh, somewhere in those chapters, you'll find Abraham went up on Mount Moriah. Uh, you'll find, friend, it seemed like another dark day uh, in Abraham's life as he went up that mountain. Uh, and God had told him to sacrifice his only son. Uh, uh, my friend, as he began to lay his son out on that altar, uh, God stayed his hand. Uh, there was a ram caught up in the thicket. Uh, friend, another dark day in Abraham's life. Uh, but Abraham's seen uh, that we've got a God uh, that brings forth hope uh, in the darkest days of our Go on through the Old Testament, you'll find that the children of Israel were in bondage 430 years. God drew that nation. Seemed like a dark time in history for a nation. They began, my friend, to be under, my friend, great bondage. My friend, they was worked to death. They was overworked and underpaid, as the saying says. My friend, they was worked more and more and more, almost to the point that they couldn't stand anymore. But friend, in the darkest days of Israel's life, God sent a man by the name of Moses, whom he trained up on the backside of the desert. Honey, you need some training in your life. For God's going to use you, it takes some training. God had trained up Moses on the backside of the desert. Sent him in there to be a deliverer to those people. My friend, on that day, God told him to take a lamb. My friend, a paschal lamb. And God told him to inspect that thing. Make sure it was perfect without spot and without blemish. My friend, and they took that lamb, killed it. Took the blood, put it over the doorpost and on the lintel. And friend, God delivered those people in the darkest days of their life. There was hope through the blood of the Lamb. There was hope for a people who it seemed as though there was no hope for. Then down through history they would celebrate that time of their deliverance from Israel through the feast of the Passover. You know what they'd do? They took a lamb and they'd kill it just like they did that day in Egypt. But they'd take a stick and they'd run that stick through it to roast it on the fire. You see, they had to take that lamb, they had to roast it, and they had to eat of the, of the meat of it. They'd take a stick and they'd run it through it this way. But they had to be able to turn that thing. So they'd run a stick through it this way too. What does that make? Makes a cross, don't it? They made a cross over in the wilderness. They made a cross when they got into Canaan. They didn't even know what they were looking at. Made a cross and that lamb was on that cross. And they'd roast that thing symbolizing the judgment of God. Amen. That lamb was taking the judgment that they deserved. Friend, you, Jesus took the judgment that you deserved on Calvary's brow. Friend, they celebrated that Passover lamb down through history on the Day of Atonement every single year. They would come. The great high priest would come. He would offer up a bullock for his sins. He'd offer up a lamb for his 
sins, he'd take a scapegoat, uh, put his hands upon it, uh, lead it out by a fit man, the Bible says, out into the wilderness. Uh, uh, my friends, symbolizing all that Jesus was, uh, symbolizing all that Jesus done. Uh, uh, my friend, it was a type and a foreshadow of the things that were to come. Uh, and he would enter into the Holy of Holies uh, and he would take that blood and present it upon the altar of God, sprinkle it upon the horns of the altar on the mercy seat. Uh, and the glory of God would come down if he was satisfied with the sacrifice. Uh, uh, my friend, in God's presence would be made known. Friend, there were dark days in Israel's history, but through that tabernacle, through that sacrifice, there became hope that God's presence was made known inside of that temple. Those people on the outside, they'd see the smoke coming up, and they'd say, glory to God. God's met with us again. I tell you, we needed old Savannah Baptist Church. We need the presence of God to be made known. We need the presence to be real. We need folks to look on about us and say, God's met with us again. There is hope in this day. You come on down through the Bible, you come to the book of Malachi, and you find that from Malachi to Matthew, there's some silent years. This is not the first time that God has been silent, but you find from Matthew to Malachi, there's 400 silent years. And you find that God has not spoken in that period of time. That's scary times when God don't speak. In Eli's day, there was a time like that. The Bible says there was no open vision. There was no prophecy given. God just wasn't speaking because people was living in sin. And from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew, we find that God just simply wasn't speaking. I get scared when God ain't speaking, don't you? I get scared and I get nervous when God ain't moving. But in those times from Malachi to Matthew, God ain't speaking all of a sudden. There's an angel comes to a little virgin by the name of Mary. That angel comes and tells Mary that she's going to conceive in her womb and that she's going to bring forth a child. And the Bible says in Luke chapter number 1 in verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end and then Mary said unto the angel how shall this be seeing I know not a man I don't know about you if this is getting good and the Bible says and the angel answered and said unto her the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the high shall overshadow thee therefore also shall the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God honey in the darkest days of humanity's history our friend it seemed as though God had quit speaking to his people all of a sudden God comes to a little nobody my friend that finds favor with God a virgin that's been espoused to a man by the name of Joseph and that angel steps into where she's at and says honey you're going to have a child and she said how can this be that I've never knew a man he said the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow thee I'm glad friend in the days when it seems like God ain't speaking God is still there and God is still alive and there is still hope I'm glad God sent hope in those days when he hadn't spoken in years all of a sudden God stepped on the scene in her. the birth of that little baby wasn't just anything it was the answer to Genesis 3 and 15 it was the end of that seed that God had promised to over there to Eve it was the end of that seed that Satan had tried his best from Genesis 3 and 15 all the way through your Bible, the book of Matthew, and through the book of Matthew, to destroy that seed. When Cain was born under under Eve, what happened? They brought forth another child, Abel, right? 
Cain became a sinner. Cain became one that wouldn't offer to God the, the right thing. Satan got into his heart and into his life. Satan was trying to destroy the seed of God. Cain slew Abel. Why? It wasn't just because he hated his brother. There's more to it than that. There's more to this sin thing going on. Cain slew Abel because Satan was trying to destroy the seed that God had promised unto Eve. Why is it that over there through, uh, my friend, the Bible, you find time after time after time again, Satan is attacking God's people. He's attacking the nation of Israel. Why would anybody want to attack such a little nation as that? Why? Because that's God's people. And God had promised a seed would come out of them. Why in, in Pharaoh's day, why would they be under such bondage? Because there was a satanic influence trying to destroy the seed of an almighty God. Why when Jesus was just a few days old, did Herod put out a decree? that every baby under two years old should be killed. Why? Because Satan was working in his life. It didn't have anything to do with the physical kingship. It had to do with the fact that Satan knew that there was a seed that had been promised. It had to do with the fact that Satan knew if he could go ahead and stop that before it ever got started, it'd be on winning ground. But I'm glad we've got a God that's omnipotent that knew what Satan was doing before Satan ever knew what he was up to. And God knew how to fix the problem. I'm glad this morning there is hope. Even though Satan may be fighting in your life, there's hope. God already knows what's going on. God already knows what's happening in your life. The Bible goes on there to tell us over here in this same book, in the book of Luke. The Bible goes on to tell us about a man by the name of Simeon. And the Bible speaks about this man. And the Bible says he, now understand he's living in this time when God hadn't spoken many years. I, I, I'm very unsure. I don't think that he knows anything about what's been going on in Mary's life. Uh, he don't know very much about what's going on in, in Joseph's life. Uh, maybe uh, uh, Zacharias had told him a little bit about what was going on in his life. Uh, you see, Zacharias was the daddy uh, to Elizabeth who was the mother of John the Baptist. Uh, and Zacharias was the one that was on the right side of the altar of incense uh, when the angel of the Lord came and told him uh, that his barren womb, uh, my friend, would bring forth a child. Uh, that was the cousin of Mary. Uh, friend brought forth the four runner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad, friend, when you get on the right side of God, when you get right with God, God will begin to do things in your life and God will begin to use you for the great glory of God. Maybe Simeon had talked with Zacharias, but it seems as though Simeon was living in a time when there was very little hope, if not none at all. There was probably no reason by the physical standards to go to church. There was no reason to go to the temple and to worship. Why should we go anyway, God? God ain't speaking. Hey, my friend, us Baptists, we get this same mentality and this same mindset. Why should we go to church? Why should we witness? Why should we pray? Why should we keep on serving God? Why should we keep on digging deeper? Why should we give up our time? Why should we give up the moments that we would like to use for ourselves? Why? Because God's not speaking. Why should we do these things? Because God's done something inside of our heart that we cannot explain. And it's something that keeps us pressing on for the glory of God. Why? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Because we believe this morning that in the darkest hours of our life that there is hope. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to hear this message in its entirety or join us in one of our services, find us on Facebook or visit us at our website at oldsavannah.org. We would like to give you a personal invitation to come and be in one of our services on Sunday morning at 10 and 11 a.m., 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night as we travel verse by verse through the book of John. We're located at 138 Sutton Branch Road in Silva, North Carolina.